0: Hey, this is Mike Ayala. I'm all about helping people find financial freedom. And one of the best and fastest ways to grow your wealth and achieve financial freedom is through real estate investing. I know, I've done it, I'm still doing it. Real estate investing is a key component to accelerating my earnings. And I wanna share my knowledge and experience with you through my new Real Estate Accelerator program. This is a one-time only program that puts you in the virtual room with me and an awesome small group of investors with one goal in mind, financial freedom through real estate investments. I'll demystify the complicated world of real estate investing to help you identify money-making opportunities and create profitable new income sources. This course is designed to help guide you to success with clear instruction, direct takeaways, and honest answers to your questions. We'll chart a path to your success in real estate investing together. Anyone from the novice to the seasoned investor can profit from my experience to achieve their investment goals. The nine-week course kicks off this January. Sign up now at earnwithrealestate.com. True success and happiness are all about freedom. And here's your roadmap on how to find freedom on your own terms. Welcome to the Investing for Freedom podcast. Here's your host, Mike Ayala. Today, I'm gonna share an experience that I had with you that I think could probably be um, impactful and powerful if maybe you uh, caught the message behind it and implemented it in your personal life. And we're gonna talk about the time that I died or at least I was challenged to write my eulogy as if I had died. And it really, it, so what started this, um, my great uncle had died, I don't know, this was probably 10 or 15 years ago. Uh, it was probably 15 years ago. And I remember it was such an impactful time for me because my, I got a phone call from my mom saying that uh, my great uncle had passed away. And I hadn't seen this guy for, you know, probably 10 or 15 years even before that. So it was probably 30 years ago that I even seen this person. Um, I was probably a teenager still. I remember, you know, when my mom called, um, it was actually her uncle, so it was my great uncle. And I was like, oh, that's, you know, sad and what a bummer what happened. And um, then she proceeded to say that my great uncle's kids, her cousins um, asked if I would deliver the eulogy. And at first, I was like, you know, I'm really going to have to think about that because I didn't really, you know, I'm for all purposes, I didn't really know this person, and I'm not even sure that I honestly would have went to his funeral. Um, but then, you know, my mom called me back and said that, you know, I asked her to really find out why the kids wanted me to do the eulogy, and you know, when she called me back, um, she said that, you know, the kids didn't want to have to do it themselves, and they were kind of not estranged, but they didn't have the greatest relationship. And there really wasn't anybody that would deliver or that they thought could deliver the eulogy. And so I agreed to do it. And I remember it was, it was, it was challenging. Um, I asked, you know, the audience, if people would like to come up and say a few things and uh, nobody did. And I remember uh, trying to get in touch with some of his friends or, or people in his life. And there wasn't really a whole lot of feedback. And I remember what a challenging time it was and also what a sad time it was standing up there in front of that room, realizing that this guy had passed away and didn't really leave an impact on number one, the world. And a lot of times when we think about legacy and impact and, you know, we think about it in terms of our business and, you know, things that we left to the world, none of that. And really even more so what I think is important, didn't really have anybody to even speak at his funeral. That was a very impactful moment in my life. And I remember fast forward to um, the fall of 2019, no, the fall of 2020, I was kind of going through this inner reflection time as many of us did in 2020. And I went to a champions event in Austin, a a GoBundance champions event, which was, I believe the first event where the new CEO, Chris Ryan was kind of facilitating and leading. And he was implementing a new thing called the champion spotlight. And so he asked uh, if I would do the champion spotlight, the first one. And I said, sure. I had flown in a day early and Chris had texted me and said, Hey, what are you doing? And I said, I was just getting ready to go have a coffee. So we met for coffee and we were just having a conversation, getting to know each other. And I was sharing this story with him. And he said, you know what I think would be really powerful is if you would give your eulogy to the champions as part of your champion spotlight. And I think one of the reasons that prodded him, you know, saying that and challenging me to do it, I was really reflecting on the impact that I had made. Uh, You know, a lot of the show is investing for freedom and, you know, a big part of why I'm so passionate about what we do here is because it's really easy to get sucked into the day to day stuff or the week to week stuff or the month to month, year to year stuff and wake up five or 10 years later and realize that you missed the best years of, of your children's life or you, you know, ruined a marriage or whatever it was that happened. And so I was kind of going through this period of reflection during that time, uh, which again, I think all of us did in 2022 or 2020, sorry. And I think that's part of why uh, Chris challenged me to do this eulogy. And I'll share with you, it was really challenging. Uh, It would have been the next afternoon. It was really challenging. I went that day and, you know, hadn't planned on spending the day writing my eulogy or, you know, facing confronting death. The reason why I'm sharing this with you is I, I think it's something that everybody should Try and do because it really gets you thinking about what matters, and I really struggled with the eulogy. um, Spent a little bit of time that afternoon trying to write it, and then I went and grabbed some drinks and some dinner with some Go Abundance guys. And then when I got back that night, I stayed up pretty late trying to get it written, just struggling with it. And I think the main reason why I was struggling is because I kept going out to, you know, saving the whales and the legacy and the impact and. Um, not truly saving the whales. Cause that wouldn't have been something that I was passionate about, but I was just trying to like, you know, vision out 40 years from now when I died, like, you know, what was my impact and what did all of it look like? And, you know, you're trying to imagine your grandchildren, which is probably what is the most important thing to me, my wife, children, grandchildren, the relationships. Uh, but you know, again, saving the whales and the rainforest and all that is most of the things that we think about when it comes to impact, but I really struggled. And then all of a sudden I realized you know i'm coming about this all wrong if i died tomorrow instead of 40 years from now what would be said of me would anybody show up to my funeral would we have a hard time trying to find somebody to give a eulogy because of the impact that i've made because of the way that i showed up on a daily basis and when, so when i thought about rather than writing my eulogy 40 years out when i thought about it and reframed it in the sense of writing it tomorrow mike literally died tomorrow what would be said Um, that changed everything for me. And so I wrote it through that perspective and I'm going to share it with you. Um, Mike Moody from my content team asked, uh, if I would do this and share it and he thought it might be powerful. Um, so hopefully it is. And I would challenge you to, uh, write your own eulogy. I'm guessing you're probably going to wrestle with it and struggle with it, but it's a powerful exercise because it really causes you to show or, or see how you're showing up and really question the impact that you're making. So here it goes. Michael Lee Ayala, Mike to most of you, was born in Pocatello, Idaho on October 12th, 1978 to Gilbert Beltran and Lori Ayala. While most of you never heard his birth name, he was born Michael Beltran. Mike had a challenging childhood, although he would not fully recognize and acknowledge it until many years later. He would want us to share with you this part of his childhood that many of you didn't know about because it was through this challenging childhood that Mike would become the father, husband, friend, and mentor that he didn't have growing up. Mike believed that you could learn as much from the bad times as you could the good, and from poor examples as you could from great examples. If you looked for the lesson in it all, his mother, Lori Ayala, was one of the kindest, hardest-working women you'll ever meet. His father, Gilbert, on the other hand, while having good intentions and a kindness that would show from time to time, was an alcoholic, a chronic drug user, and was very abusive. Mike's memories of his father were of him either abusing his mother going missing for periods of time that Mike had no concept of duration around, him partying with rooms full of women and smoking pot, moving from town to town, or Mike being left by his mother with his father showing up days later to get him, usually with his grandparents. Mike's dad was an illegal alien, and Mike remembers being in labor camps and seeing his father run from immigration and often hiding in the trunk of a car crossing the Mexico border back into the United States. This all ended when Mike was roughly eight years old and Lori left his dad for the last time. Mike went to live with his grandparents, William and Charlotte Zimmerman, as he had often done over the challenging years. Grandma and grandpa were the best. They always showed him love and kindness and they were his only real source of stability. Grandma and grandpa passed away three months apart from each other in 2011. During this time, Mike was also separated from his little brother, Brian, who stayed with his mom. Brian and Mike were five years apart and while they were not close when they were little, They went on to have the best relationship, and Mike always said that if he could count on anyone to have his back, it would be Brian. Lori married Tino Ayella a couple years later after divorcing Mike's father. Tino became a strong male figure in his life, as well as for his brother Brian. And as you can put together, Mike assumed his name and accepted him as a father, and Tino accepted Mike as his own son. Mike called Tino his bonus dad, and while they didn't always see eye to eye, that's what sons and dads do, right? Mike's little sister Tiffany came along when Mike was 10, and while they were not close when they were young, Mike and Tiffany would become great friends, and Mike adored his little sister. They would often have phone calls discussing the end of the world and guns and prepping. Mike met the love of his life, Kara Ayala, when they were in high school. They would talk on the phone until the early hours of the morning on school nights, and Kara brought out the best in him. For the first time in his life, he was choosing to learn how to love someone that wasn't in his circle of four or five trusted people. There was some challenging times ahead as Mike worked out some of his deep trauma and issues, resorting to alcohol use starting in eighth grade and then on to nonstop marijuana use and eventually moving into methamphetamines, dealing drugs and ultimately into landing in jail on drug charges. Kara obviously had to let him go during this time, but was supportive from a distance and never gave up on him. After letters and rallying support for Mike, Kara helped Mike beat his drug addiction with the help of finding his faith and spirituality and a community of people who also rallied around him. Kara would be the first person outside of the family to break through Mike's barriers and teach him how to love. She did it by showing him what love and sacrifice for another person looked like, putting him before herself many times throughout their life together. Now is when the journey gets exciting. Mike and Kara were married at the age of 20 and 19. Mike had learned from the poor example of his father what a marriage shouldn't look like and determined he was going to always try and show up as the best version of himself. And while he was always trying to get better, many of you know, and none more than Kara, that was definitely a process. Mike married into one of the best examples of marriages you could ask for, Timothy and Susie Lislow. TC would never acknowledge it, but he was one of the best examples of a strong father figure you could find. And Susie was a nurturer and one of the most passionate and loving people you will ever meet. Mike also gained another brother and sister, Megan and Nick Lislow, who would not only be his brother and sister, but would be a true lifelong friend, each of them as well. Exactly one year after getting married, Mike and Kara had their first child, Dylan, Michael, at the age of 21 and 20. Dylan would challenge them to be the best version of themselves at such a young age. Mike, once again, through the poor example of his childhood, determined he was going to try to be the best version of himself for his children, making sure they always had the love, nurturing, healthy discipline, and support he never had from his father. He was probably a little overboard with Dylan, but they quickly adjusted as Timothy Joel showed up less than two years later. And once again, Mike's ability to love was expanded to a level he did not know that it could. Two years later, Kate and Elise, his favorite daughter, as he would call her, showed up. She stole his heart once again. But this is where there were some challenges brewing. Mike had decided that he was going to show up for his wife and kids, always going to be there. And while. So a few months later, after Caton was born, at the age of 24, Mike quit his job and they started their own company. He was working out of town seven days a week during most of this time, leaving Kara on her own. And while many would say, this is what dads have to do, earn for the family so that kids can have a good childhood, this was not acceptable to Mike or Kara. At the age of 24 and finding himself in over his head, having no college experience or business experience, he quickly realized that he knew what he didn't know And began doing what he would point to as the single largest key to success in his mind. Hire people that are smarter than you. Hire the best coaches you can find who have done what you want to do. And put yourself in rooms full of people who are smarter and more experienced than you, who will challenge you to be the best version of yourself. Mike's business grew quickly, doubling year over year. And in 2009, they were on the Inc. fastest growing companies in America. Mike quickly had to become a student of people and a mentor to many often feeling inadequate and at times feeling like he was just one step in front of those he was helping. Mike started investing in real estate after a few years in business on the advice of his mentors and found himself with a portfolio of single family homes, commercial buildings, mobile home parks, and land for development. In 2014, Mike sold his first business as it was apparent that the business was not going to serve Mike and Kara and what they wanted out of life. Mike often referred to this as the best and worst day of his life as he and Kara had achieved the American dream of financial independence But Mike had also lost what he had thought was his sense of identity along the way, his business and people. This began Mike's journey of separating his identity from the many individual businesses and investments he would have along the way. He was not a business owner. He was a husband and a father, both roles that he would place as the most important roles in his life and the roles that would also shape him. Not because of the titles, but because of the people who were the counterparty to those roles. Kara, his wife, was his biggest fan and influence. And while she showed up, for him stronger and more consistent than he ever could for her. He loved her and would do anything for her. She taught him how to love. Dylan, Tim, and Kate would teach him more about humans than any consultant or psychologist ever could. They expanded his heart and passion for love for life exponentially. Dylan taught Mike that he could not control everything when he had health issues in the womb, a very scary birth, not knowing if Dylan was going to be able to breathe when he was born, a room full of doctors and nurses at one of the best hospitals in the world. Dylan taught Mike that he was here to guide, but not control the outcomes. Dylan taught Mike that life is no fun if we are not having fun. Dylan taught Mike how to grab life big. Dylan has changed the world. Tim would teach Mike about showing up with passion. Tim taught Mike about drive and commitment to what you want and not what everyone else wants. From the time Tim could talk, he showed Mike how to express and battle for what he wanted out of life, how to have a strong desire and opinion about something without being narrow-minded. Tim has changed the world. And Caten, his favorite daughter, would teach him about love and beauty, not only for people, but for the world and everything in it. She was always a breath of fresh air and would bring a smile to her dad. She also taught him, like her mother, and that while it is not good for man to be alone, women are strong, and if man doesn't tell the line, man will be alone. <laughs> Kate has changed the world. If you ever talked with Mike, you would find some thread of conversation around who do I have to become in quotation marks. Mike was always on a mission and journey of figuring out who he would have to become to be a better husband, father, brother, son, mentor, business owner, and leader. Mike thought it was important to share his childhood with you so that you would also understand why he was at times direct, zealous, and possibly a little much at times. He was not good with excuses or limiting beliefs and would call you out on them at times without solicitation. This was because he was constantly challenging his own, searching for people who would do the same for him. He was also very proud of the way that he was able to take the challenges of his childhood and make them a force for good in his life. He held no grudges. He was a very forgiving person. He expected the best from everyone. Mike was on a constant journey to be a better business owner, investor, and business partner, but more importantly, a better person. In 2018 he found a tribe of men who challenged him to become a better version of himself and for the first time in a thing called a go talk he had to confront the fact that he did not know how to have healthy authentic male relationships. He set a goal of building 4 authentic relationships per year from a tribe. He ended up with hundreds not just from go abundance but from all of his journeys and travels. You could often find Mike challenging limiting beliefs like the phrase I am doing this for my family when you are working 14 hours a day so your children can have nice clothes, or no one can do this as well as I can, or I don't have time for this because he was a proponent of time freedom. Mike could often be heard saying time cannot be managed, choices can. Freedom comes by managing your choices, not your time. Mike always tried to be a positive mirror for people showing what he saw in them versus how they see themselves. He would often tell people they did not know how amazing they were because they spent so much time with themselves in their own heads. Mike was proud of many of the things that he accomplished in life, but he was most proud of the strong family he and Kara helped nurture and the friends and relationships he built along the way. If Mike were here, he would say, please celebrate his life while you mourn and take away something that will make you a better person in your roles, whatever they may be. He would ask that you forgive him for anything he may have ever done unintentionally. But most of all, he would ask that whatever has happened to you in life, do him a favor and don't let it be a hindrance, but let it be a force for good. And in closing, I would ask that you would all write down one thing that Mike taught you and give it to the family so they could celebrate him with you and go do something of equal value for someone else. Mike's favorite quote was the Zig Ziglar quote. You can have everything you want in life if you just help enough other people get what they want. So please, in honor of Mike, go out and help other people get what they want out of life.